That's right. You are listening to Windsor's Inside Pulse for the latest news, views, and opinions here in Windsor and Essex County. We do remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show or those of our co-hosts do not necessarily reflect the views of any media outlets or any political parties or organizations. We are recording on Tuesday, September 21st, approximately 5 p.m. Please remember to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That being said, my name is Al Tashuba, co-hosting and joining remotely with Daniel Lablisser and Christine Brooks. And Dave Sundin is off today, but the big story this week, of course, is the Canadian federal election that was held yesterday. So yeah, we might have mentioned that a few times on our on our previous shows. We might have mentioned the <laughs> election thing going yeah, on. Yeah, if you didn't know that there was a federal election on, and you're one of the like six people that listens to us, it would uh-huh. be pretty it would be pretty shocking. So, uh, so so the high level takeaway is the and so this is the results as of Tuesday afternoon. Now it is important to mention that the mail in votes are still being counted. So there are a number of ridings that are still technically too close to call, but the uh, the results right now are that the Liberals are leading or elected 158 ridings, the Conservatives in 119, the Bloc in 34, the New Democrats in 25, the Greens in two, and the People's Party did not win any seats. Now, in terms of the actual vote share, and again, this is going to get updated a bit in the next day or two as the mail-in votes come in. The Liberals won 32.3% of the vote, the Conservatives 33.9% of the vote, the Bloc about 7.8%, the New Democrats 17.7%, the Greens just over 2%, and the People's Party just over 5%. So those are the national results as we know them at the time of recording. I guess the high level takeaway for me on this is that we are almost exactly where we were at two years ago. The seat count is almost the same. Uh, Each of the parties seems to have won or lost a couple of seats. The the popular vote count, um, you know, just like last election, the Liberals, the Conservatives seem to be ahead of the Liberals by about one to one and a half percent. So that seems to be where we are. So we're going to go around the table. Let's talk about just the national picture to begin with. And then what we'll talk about is the perspective of sort of each of the parties. Did they succeed in this election? Did they fail in this election? Where does this leave them? And then we'll turn to talk about the local races. So Al, you are the uh, the local conservative uh, party riding association president. So uh, so let's get, before we turn straight to the conservatives and talk for, for an hour and a half about the conservatives, what is your high level takeaway on this election? Well, first of all, I want to clarify, I'm speaking as an individual, not as party president or any uh, conservative party uh, affiliation. These are my personal opinions. Uh, as a math guy, statistician guy, I was up 7 a.m. I was analyzing all this and I targeted exactly where I left off back in 2019, when little old PPC party was only 2% and now averaging around 6%, how did this affect the election? And at first glance, the popular vote looks about the same. However, when you look a little bit deeper, since the People's Party increased their vote from two to six, and the majority of those are conservative voters, then technically the conservative movement or the conservative style voting increased. It just didn't land on the Conservative Party. So overall, the Conservatives did better. They won the popular vote. Their margins of victory where they won really were. Uh, There were 28 ridings. 
28 ridings. Now, I know we're not going to do straight math, but if you look at 28 ridings and you take the second place Conservative Party candidate and add it to the People's Party of Canada vote, whoever that candidate is, and you add them together, the Conservative would win. Now, can you do that as 100%? No. I need to do further analysis to measure approximately 6, 60%. And then fairly put out 10% liberal, 10% green, 10% NDP, and then probably 10% for people who probably wouldn't have voted anyways. There is going to be a deeper analysis of all this. I just heard Aaron O'Toole's scrum news conference. He noticed it as well. He mentioned very tight races, very close. He also mentioned that Trudeau and Maxime Bernier, the liberals in the PPC, were the only two parties that made health a wedge issue which he wasn't pleased about and thought it wasn't appropriate. Um, and next time we're in election, there's not going to be a pandemic. So I don't think that wedge issue is going to contrast as well. And we can get back to normal style voting. And Al, PPC Al, let members. Me you, mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. The, the angle that you seem to be taking is that basically the conservatives were entitled to the People's Party vote. And that, no, that's how you... no, 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 no. You put the word entitled. I'm okay. saying that I'm saying that conservative-minded people that normally would place their vote would normally place their vote with the conservative party. However, now they have a further conservative movement party that they have the ability to move. Okay, so this but is Al, Al, tough... just, if we follow that logic, can't mm -hmm. we then say that you could add the progressive parties together? And if you, if you add the liberals and the new Democrats- Sure, you could. Greens, Listen, we we love the, the conservatives loved it when the NDP, the Workers Party moved and gained the motion. There's also strategies that said as the NDP do better, the conservatives do better. I mean, look look at how the conservatives had a majority with Harper. It was Jack Layton, Jack Layton being leader of the opposition. But that is strategic voting. And to only look at the surface of the first past the post without looking at who your opponents are, where the votes land, is not the proper detail of how things should work out. We need a strong NDP uh, result in Quebec, which resulted, drop the block, raise, you know, a lot of things have to happen. I'm not to get majority for conservatives, similar to the way Harper did it uh, back in 2011. But I'm just talking about what, sh what could have happened, not should. Should means entitled. I'm saying what could have happened if there was no PPC party, those votes would have landed with the conservatives who did better in 2011 on an overall popular vote uh, movement, ideological movement vote uh, than it was in 2019, which showed a gain, which showed less support for Trudeau. Why not just add up the numbers, forget the percentage. If you look at the number of voters that the liberals got in 20. 20, uh, 2021 versus 2019, that's reduced. So that, that also showed, and there was pollings done before that that said 74% of Canadians want a change in government. But yeah, but Al, Al, I guess my point, and we'll come to Christine in a second, but I guess my point is you're, you're treating this conservative movement in a vacuum 
and then not allowing for, well, I guess, I guess we could just add the new Dem the 17, the nearly 18% of the vote that went to the new Democrats. I mean, if we were to add that to the liberals, they're over 50%. Yeah, except you're talking about something that happened 50 plus versus years ago versus something that just happened three years ago. The People's Party was a protest movement by Maxime Bernier because he didn't win leadership and still wanted to push through his, his agenda and his policies many of which conservatives don't forget agreed with some including uh when it didn't get to the floor in, on in the halifax convention uh with you know with regards to the dairy farmers and, and movements he, he's very libertarian very uh conservative very free enterprise and you know he lost on the 13th vote he didn't fit in with the andrew Scheer government and andrew Scheer, you know maybe didn't uh over compensate as to how well Maxine should have fit in. He chose to leave the day of the, uh, it was announced the day of the of the convention in Halifax. I remember sitting at a restaurant and we were like, where's Maxine? They're like, oh, you didn't hear yet? And we looked at it, it was like, oh my God, he's leaving and starting his own party. Two, three year, two years ago, 2019, it was 2%. It was like, ah, it's insignificant. Now nah, it affected seven seats. And at the time I was like, ah, Trudeau still would have got his majority, no big deal. But it is a big deal now. It is a giant deal. It is enough to take away 18 liberal seats and make a and make a minority government with more seats overall for the conservatives. If Maxine Bernier did not decide three years ago that he wanted to make his own party, so yeah, it's, it's and, and I guess you're I guess you're fixing one thing as static while ignoring the other variable. But in any well, event, the, you're talking about something. You can't go back 50 years. I'm talking about something just recently. And by the way, this recent thing. That that just kind of happened with Maxine, the People's Party. Um, I, I we had, I had predicted it all the way through that it'd be significant. I said it would affect ten to fifteen seats. I, this is actually even stronger than I thought it was. It is extremely significant. And Aaron O'Toole even mentioned these close races, and he's not talking about making deals or anything, but he is talking about winning it next time. And if one thing is for sure is that the conservatives, I think, will hate more the the idea of another Trudeau or left-leaning government versus, okay, I may not have the perfect leader, you know, they want to be more conservative, but Aaron O'Toole still is the big blue tent, and you can't win. All right, well, let's, let's, political let's, come system Chris, let's come to Christine now, Christine. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you, uh, we'll, we'll let you keep playing around with your uh, fuzzy math over the, uh, over, over the next few oh, weeks. Oh, it's rock but, solid math. But, rock but solid. Christine, why, why don't we yes. start with you on what your thoughts on the general election takeaway is. Yes, well, um, first of all, I'd like to say that um, yesterday's election, I think um, has left uh, uh, Canadians uh, maybe in the same position as they were in August. And that may be a disappointment for all Canadians, which is really a kind of sadness. Uh, there's no doubt about it, because on the one hand, we have the same situation where a government is still in a minority position, um, which means that there will have to be, which may be good for those who are on the conservative side of things. They will have to see that the government will have to really negotiate very hard and, and do and compromise uh, uh, amongst each other between the um, liberals and the um, NDP. Um, but I mean, a lot of things happen. One thing that is remarkable is when you look at the map of Canada, it is extremely uni 
formally one color for great expanses. And so it really shows you how regional we have become. And that regionalism, I think, undermines the co cohesiveness of Canada. And I think that is something we all need to work on. There should be conservatives and liberals and NDPers everywhere in Canada. And to be quite honest, if we want to really have Quebec uh, feel part of Canada, we should have those same parties in Quebec and not the Bloc Québécois. And so this is really problematic, in my opinion, in the long run. It shows that we are disconnected and that we are not taking care of each other or not able to empathize in a way uh, and, and understand each regional pro the, each other's regional problems. Um, that's how I read it. Um, I mean, if you look at it, it's it's red for a whole part of the northern part on the west side. Then it's it's uh, uh, orange in the middle section. It's blue in the middle lower section. It's this teal color for the block uh, in Quebec. So I think that is an issue. The second thing I would talk about is the fact, uh, the interesting part uh, was the fact that uh, two uh, party leaders lost yesterday. One was the Green Party, Anami Paul, and the other one was Maxime Bernier. And uh, I think that's a big thing. Uh, I think it shows something as well. The Green Party, uh, especially in times of environmental, uh, you know, uh, awareness that they are so weak at this point is very indicative of, uh, you know, of, of where they're going and, 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 and the problems in that specific party. Maxime Bernier not getting his own writing is also very indicative of, of the fact that that party is basically a, 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 vote, a, a vote of revolt. However, at the same time as that, I would say the fact that they did increase the number of votes uh, uh, that they got throughout Canada seems to indicate that the uh, more traditional, so the, 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 the mainstream party for the, for the people uh, right of center, the Conservative Party is not able to, uh, to you know, uh, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't serve part of the, or reflect the ideas, the ideology of, uh, of a certain number of people on the right. And I don't know, it may be just like on the, on the left where you have an NDP party and a left of center uh, liberal party. Maybe that is the new norm. That is maybe in fact, the diversity of ideologies within the, 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 on the right is such that we will need two parties to reflect those uh, ideas. Um, I'm hopeful personally that uh, the Bernier party, which really is, is uh, basically meddling with uh, the good outcomes for people on the, on the right, since in fact it has not helped the Bernier's party and gotten people elected. It has uh, prevented uh, on in many, uh, many seats uh, to go uh, blue on account of them being there. So this has not helped the right. So hopefully there will be a talk between the Conservative Party and Maxime Bernier's 
the PPC party to in fact reorganize in order to accommodate and have better results because the vote, the popular vote has gone right of center. And yet there are parties that have only uh, uh, 25 seats and who will have enormous, uh, reflect enormous power relative to the popular vote that they have uh, gotten. Christine, you, you say though that the popular vote is right of center. If you add up the liberals and the and the New Democrats, without even the Greens, you're over 50%. I, with the popular vote, if you look at any one party, I mean, the Conservatives did get... Uh, well, the Conservatives got a 1.5 or so percent more than the than the Liberals. But if, yeah. if you're talking about... Yeah. If you're talking about small C Conservative versus small P Progressive, you, you know, you're, you're in... I, I think that the Progressives have more of the vote than... Conservatives and I, but I it mean, depends. It depends where you draw the line. The it, it depends on where you draw the line on the liberals. So I, I agree that the liberals have shifted a lot more left under Trudeau, but that liberal party. Okay, so I mean, if you take ideology at uh, zero to ten, uh, you say the, the the Greens are around one to three in a lot of ways. The NDP is maybe two to four, and the liberals can be all the way from three to six yeah exactly i okay, think so i think you're right although portion, i would argue that the, the okay, you got, you, got a portion, you got a portion of the liberals who are above five okay so some are five some are six maybe like a third of it so you know in any society it usually is about split you can't really say but it's how it culminates to the ridings that measure the biggest problem with the conservatives is that when they win in Alberta and in Saskatchewan, they win by 70%. There was one riding in, in uh, what was it, Kitchen, uh, owned Sask the guy won by 78%. That's unheard of. That's how strong it was conservative, but that's a lot of wasted votes for the population. Yeah, I'd love to take a, just that riding alone, the extra, you could spread it around to a few more and have five more conservative seats. That's how close they lost. The Conservatives lost a lot more closer races, and that's what Aaron O'Toole said. Okay, so the math is population vote really doesn't matter. In the big realm of things, it's always about half. We can depend on where you put your, your, your five out of ten line. But in this particular election, looking at the big picture, there is a strong, there is a reduction of Trudeau's overall popularity. Uh, you know, in receipt count, it was reflective within one, and we'll see what the new mail-in ballots uh, do. Yeah, but in the big realm of things, if you do take 60% of the PPC, add it up, because he stayed the same, that would have increased more. So the overall movement is going away from Trudeau, willing to give conservatives uh, back, uh, especially, and I think the fiscal conservative. Ron Ambrose was talking about that, that maybe, you know, and there will be an analysis. Nobody analyzes their elections more than the Conservative Party. Holy smokes, analysts, reviews, sometimes leadership reviews. I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. We'll talk about um, that. Uh, let me just just come back to you on this spectrum thing, because I, sure. I think that you're correct with what those those spectrum numbers are. But I, I think that maybe one of the pieces here, and, and I think this is a big story of this election, is I think that Conservatives, um, the big C Conservatives, 
tried to move from eight on that spectrum to about six on that spectrum. And what happened here, and this is mm -hmm. part of the reason that the People's Party was so successful, is that the conservatives, the big C conservatives, left their right flank open. And that's oh, where the people- And then that, there'll be a lot of discussion about that. I'm not disagreeing with that. that that's part of the discussion. Here, I'm going to draw this out. I remember having this discussion with Jordan Katz one time. And that's why there's overlap. That's why you can pull votes from, from other people. So yeah, you've got- the, the good news is that if you want to hold up an image, nobody's going to be able to see it. Because no, that's true. I'm just going to describe it. Like I'm, I'm drawing it out here. Okay, so yeah. you've got the Greens can usually go anywhere from, you know, on, on general policies. Sometimes they're like eight on other stuff. But in general, Greens are lefties. So they're going to be from zero to three. And that's why we always love the Greens in, in Windsor to come to the area. We're like, hey, make sure the Greens can come to the debates because maybe they could take some votes away from the NDP. Then you've got the NDP, which maybe is like one to four. And then you've got the liberals, you know, usually they're about three to seven, maybe three to seven and a half. But with Justin Trudeau, I think the biggest he would be is a six. And so I would go even two to six for the liberals. And there's some overlap there. And then the conservatives, Aaron pushed it right all the way up to five. Okay? Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I think that's I would say five to eight was the was the conservatives cpc oh, there wasn't much eight there wasn't much eight this campaign no but there was there, i said in some issues up to eight but in general his ranges maybe was five to eight and then you've got this the the uh, ppc that's now taking flanking to the to there going seven to ten so you can see here there are some lines of overlap around seven to eight five to six two to four so the conservatives lost to the flank of their right as you mentioned and ate a little bit of the liberals between five and six who want to change. But at, at the end, the right flank is what really cost them on those small, tight races. And the popular vote can't be spread out all beautifully around as, as you want it. You crush in Alberta, you crush in Saskatchewan, and you lose by a little bit in very, very tight races in BC and in Ontario. And, and it's <laughs> it, all right, so the popular vote. So let me, let me give you my high-level takeaway on the election, and then I'll do a quick party-by-party party recap, and then we'll go around the horn for the party. And let's party. talk about the party leaders' futures as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and we'll, we'll get there as we come through each party. So, I mean, my view is that this was, it was a complete status quo election. And it got, you know, it was a little bit weird over the five weeks of the campaign, but ultimately where we see these numbers in is they came exactly where we, where, where we started. Um, how we got there, though, I think is an interesting piece of the puzzle. So coming to the parties and, you know, did he, I think there's actually an argument that each party lost something in this election. I mean, the liberals came in arguing that they wanted a majority. They didn't get a majority. Now, I think that the liberals, what, what we haven't talked about a lot um, or hasn't been talked about a lot, I think that the main thing that the liberals win out of this election is they they restart the election clock. And so by... You know, there was going to be an election in the next 12 to 18 months, maybe six to 18 months. The clock has now been restarted. And I actually tend to think that this government, this 44th parliament, is probably going to last a long time for a minority government because there are so many quotes from the NDP and the Conservatives about an unwanted election that I don't think the Liberals are going to pull this stunt again and have an election in two years. And I think the, the Conservatives or the NDP would be at great risk of bringing down the government um, because of all the things that they said about an unwanted election. So I could see this, this parliament going three, three and a half years, maybe into the spring of 2025. 
coming to the conservatives, I, let, me, let me just take you through each of the parties and then we'll go around and you guys can each have your say. Coming to the conservatives, I mean, I think that the conservatives are a bit, are, are a bit lost in where they want to be right now because of that spectrum that we were talking about. They moved, in my view, as hard as they possibly could have to the set, we'll call it the center, that five or six on the spectrum, but left open the right flank. And I think that a lot of conservatives were not are not satisfied with jumping to the center. And the problem for the conservatives is they're stuck in this position where if they go to the to the center to try to win the 905, they piss off more conservatives. And that's what opens up the People's Party. Ultimately, you know, the conservatives came into this election wanting to win. They were polling very well at the start. They come out dead even. And, you know, and, and I think that O'Toole is in some trouble because he steered this ship to the center. And I suspect that there's going to be at least a leadership review. In terms of the block, I guess the block were somewhat successful. They don't want to govern. They're not governing. They, they, they held their own. Um, some people got upset by that debate question. So maybe the block is a winner here. The New Democrats, they certainly, you know, they are in a power position for this parliament, but they certainly didn't they certainly didn't build on where they are. Jagmeet Singh has now had two elections. The vast majority of the electorate certainly don't intend to trust him with the levers of government. So they don't seem to be building anything. I would say that that's, you know, they are in a good position for this parliament, but this certainly wasn't an electoral win. The Greens are decimated. I mean, they're, they have this internal fighting with their party. The Liberals have basically filled up the, the Green positions and the Greens are, are basically decimated. And the People's Party, who arguably gained the most here and got to speak about their issues, didn't win a damn seat, including their leaders. So, I mean, arguably everybody lost a little bit. I'd say maybe the, the Liberals in restarting their clock, the People's Party in getting their, you know, getting their agenda talked about, maybe were the biggest winners here, but I think everybody kind of lost something. So that's a very long-winded review of all of the parties and, and I think the leaders. Al, let's go to you. You want to go down that list? Well, I'm just going to say this. Um, I think the liberal Trudeau specifically, I think, won for two reasons. One is everybody believes he called this election solely because he wanted a majority. If you look a little bit deeper, there were a lot of corruption files coming up in committee that as soon as you call an election, it just gets restarted. So, and it's not the first time he's done that. So he did that in 2019 as well, when things were coming up and suddenly, oh, election time, and then things get uh, you know, put to the back burner and you have to start all over again. So that's number one. As far as the majority aspect, you know, his numbers are about the same. If anything, now he could rule and say he's got a further mandate from the people. So in that position, he's still stronger. And lastly, he let uh, a right of a far right of center party split a significant amount of votes from the conservative party, which is his biggest threat. And now we have to deal with that in the middle of a pandemic. And he used the wedge issue of health, which on the People's Party was the opposite side of it. One was very pro-vaccine, one was not. And, you know, the any any it, it cost him very little. It maybe cost him perhaps 10% of the People's Party vote were former liberal voters, maybe who were unvaccinated or wanted change or like some policies. The significant loss clearly in every aspect from the People's Party was on the Conservative Party. But overall, if you look at how people wanted to vote, 
they more wanted to vote for Trudeau out and for change, but they couldn't piece their vote together strategically to get that change. Had it all culminated together, you'd have an Aaron O'Toole prime minister uh, in a minority, 144 seats with the Liberals having 140, uh, would be the best case scenario if you could take them all, maybe 143. At, at the end of the day, it, this is going to be looked upon. On its surface, it looks like ah, nothing changed, no big deal, but uh, Trudeau has a mandate now from the people so he could rule with everything he talked about and say, hey, the people voted for me again. And um, and the conservators are left with, although there is no seats won for the People's Party, we either ignore them again in the next election and say, you know what, there's not going to be a pandemic, there's not going to be a panic, there's not going to be uh, you know, rush for, for that mood. Hopefully they wise up and realize that voting PPC means that you get more Trudeau type ring and maybe they come on board. So maybe you ignore them again for the third time. Or maybe if there's going to be a conservative convention, some of the more conservative policies actually get passed, okay, like supply management issues uh, or issues that, that do resonate with conservatives and they were landed more strongly on the PPC side that took away some of the conservative votes. Uh, but I think Aaron O'Toole is a fantastic leader. I don't see it wrong in the way he positioned himself. Um, you know, he the media didn't certainly help by just keeping asking on the gun registry, gun reg or the, the the assault rifles, and then he it made it look like he flipped where really he didn't. He always talked about it being a review, but the media was like, oh, we caught you. But meanwhile, Aaron O'Toole is so careful with his words, he didn't. But the media flipped it that way. It, it's it's. I'm not happy with the, with the results, but I see it for what it is. And, you know, as we focus, we still, the Conservatives are still a very, very strong, influential uh, opposition party. And uh, next election, I think the majority of Canadians are going to be fed up. They're going to have more time to appreciate Aaron O'Toole, and he'll be Prime Minister. Christine, let's come to you. You want to go down the uh, party list, winners and losers here? Yes. Um... Well, I don't know if Trudeau really won. I mean, he would have won if he'd had a full majority and then he wouldn't have to depend on uh, Jagmeet Singh to really uh, continue on, uh, you know, passing legislation and making concessions and so on. So, in fact, I would, um, well, I would probably uh, disagree with uh, Daniel about uh, the future of this particular parliament. I re really don't see it as being a three years or more. I think it would, on the contrary, be probably, uh, again, an 18 to 18 months to two years maximum. And that, in fact, uh, there will be growing rumblings uh, as it progresses, because necessarily these measures, these laws that will be passed will be very, very generous. Uh, they have been generously spirited right through the, um, as they needed to be to a certain degree during the pandemic. But post pandemic, they will um, be, um, uh, well, in literary terms, they will be uh, totally uh, overly generous. They will be looking like, um, um, well, just out of storybooks, and uh, we will not be able to keep up with this type of spending. And I also believe that most, uh, most people don't want to mortgage their children's lives and their grandchildren's lives 
to indebtedness that is coming down the pike. Furthermore, I think there are a number of people who really do not see uh, the future as being um, more government, uh, more big government and more government involvement, which is exactly what those two parties who will be now in power for this, uh, um, this parliament of the conserv of the uh, liberals and the NDP, this is what is going to happen. So in fact, I'm not sure that it is really uh, a totally a win. Yes, it is a win for now. It wins time, but I think the government uh, will have will fall within 18 months to two years. So it is very tentative. And as the people revolt against their policies, uh, there will be there will be an effect and uh, bringing down the government within that time. For um, for O'Toole, it has been a failure, but the failure has come really from being unable to convince Quebec. Uh, conservative and the conservative position uh, on the map, whether it be uh, the conservative um, conservatives or the PPC, did not break through uh, in, in Quebec. And this needs to happen. It needs to happen if the conservatives want to be successful. They were not able to do so, and that's unfortunate. The uh, middle of a, a center, the center uh, type of uh, movement, I think, is a very uh, progressive and modern uh, viewpoint that I think many people could live with. And um, it is unfortunate that um, that uh, you know there is uh, well, of course, that it, the spectrum may be that in fact there are other views, of course, in society that are leaning further right than that, and uh, that again has to be resolved. Um, I think personally, uh, among conservative-minded people, in order to possibly then have a chance at uh, going to Quebec and presenting these ideas, um, the NDP. I think the NDP definitely is, well, it is possibly a winner because I think relative to their seats, they will have a lot of say. They hold the balance of power. And I think that is always a good position to be in. Even though they don't have that many seats, they have enough to make the government fall. And therefore their ideas will certainly uh, be weighed into consideration to make sure that they fall into line when the, when um, propositions are made in the House of Commons. The green, I, it's decimated as was was what Daniel said, and I think that's exactly what has happened. And uh, so there, they have become less uh, less credible, if you will. Um, because of the internal uh, problems, including a very sad story that came out yesterday where the leader um, had, uh, had actually, Annamie Paul, not presented the future, uh, seeing herself in the future as leader right in the middle of an election, which I thought, well, uh, so the lack of, of credibility there was was uh, too much for anyone to you know for for voters to vote for her i gotta tell you i like enemy paul the way she handled herself in the debate she's well spoken she chose a riding that's very difficult uh, to win as a green party candidate it took elizabeth may three times before she found a, a soft riding where the greens can win 
and anime was really uphill, but she presented the Green Party, I think, very well with regards to her debate performance and the platform. She did deserve all the internals. They're going to have an automatic review within six months. Obviously, with Elizabeth May having the seat in the House of Commons, she'll probably likely take over at the very least as interim leader if there is going to be an adjustment. But at the end of the day, these, these small parties, I mean, the Greens maybe take a little bit from the NDP. Trudeau was smart enough to point out that his platform for the environment actually was rated better than the NDP and even the Greens. So he, he swallowed up the Green uh, Party position as well. But mind you, Trudeau doesn't mind taking the Liberal Party far less left to gobble up those votes. And, you know, Aaron shifted over one notch, but then left the right flank open. This is all going to be analyzed, how people voted, why they voted. This is post-mortem uh, post analysis, which is a lot of times the most important analysis on how to shift. But a lot will happen between now and the next two years, which there should be an election. And I think the next election will be triggered. I recall the, um, uh, the ad scam uh, where there was, uh, you know, it was like front page of the Toronto Sun, throw the bums out. This could happen again. If a lot of the internal scandals that were about to come up in committee get finally at the, the course, it might be the opposition triggering the election. And people then at that point, what Trudeau would be in for six years, plus two, eight years, maybe three, nine, that's enough. That's enough. But the liberals are smart enough to fall on their own sword. That's what happened with Dalton McGuinty, where they were like, oh, I can't wait for the next election. Uh, we're going to throw Dalton McGuinty out. And then all of a sudden, a year before the expected election, he, re he resigns, leaves as premier, and everyone was cheering. And I say, this is bad news. This is bad news. How is this good news? We wanted to throw him out. Now, all of a sudden, it's the rejuvenated Ontario Liberal Party with Kathleen Wynne, and they squeezed out another, whatever, five years out of it. Okay? All right. I can see... I'll, I'll, I'll one final question for you before we uh, jump into our first break. You're a mm -hmm. conservative. Aaron O'Toole, does he lead the party into the next election? Or 100%. 100%. 100%. Because I think the conservatives are fair enough to know the math behind it okay it, it, the only way aaron would would not lead would be for him himself to say he won't but it, I'm, when i say 100 percent, i want to be clear 100 percent, he will not be thrown out 100 percent, it won't be like andrew Shear, where they spoke to him and said listen we're going to have a leadership review you didn't mention the american passport you didn't do this you didn't do that aaron o'toole uh I don't see him making that many mistakes. He moved the party a little bit to the left. There was a couple policies that he went kind of uh, analysts were saying this. I didn't feel it that way. And I don't feel that Aaron O'Toole flip-flopped on his policy on assault rifle because he always said it was going to be under review. But Aaron O'Toole, I think, ran a very, very strong campaign in a lot of ways with another right-wing party in the PPC. He still held the same number of seats, which is incredible. And that's the metric that she should be measuring on. And he's promising to win the close elections. He's focusing on that. Give him another chance. Uh, I, I can't see the party throwing, uh, you know, asking him to step down or anything like that. Because if there's a, another minority snap election, you know, who's going to step in? You know, I, I just don't see it. The only way it would be is if Aaron O'Toole himself stepped down. It won't happen from a leadership review type of thing. It won't be like, oh, you got voted out. Christine? Yes, well, in my opinion, the um, the Conservatives have to get Quebec. They have to break into Quebec. 
if they want to win. And um, Christina, if I may, you you mentioned that before. Harper's majority government in 2011 only had 10 seats in Quebec. And and the and the liberals were decimated in Quebec because they loved Jack Layton. And that's the way that majority happened. And sometimes the conservatives would have five seats or 10 seats. But Quebec, for the longest time, I mean, if you go back to Brian Mulroney's years, he was from Quebec. He won Quebec to win his majorities, and he lost the West a little bit. Now it's kind of reversed. We get the West. You don't really need Quebec. So if you're saying maybe we can get another 10, 15 seats in Quebec, I looked at the polls. There's really only like two or three that maybe we can gain that we're even in the ballpark of a few percentages. The bigger ones are in the 905, some in B.C., ones that we lost close, there's about 30 of them, only a couple were in Quebec. So in in uh, my opinion, I think, uh, in fact, those 10 seats in Quebec are crucial, first of all, mm-hmm. for the coherence of the country. Um, and secondly, because um, without uh, without that, uh, again, uh, we personally, we have, you're right, in the past, we've been able to have it with 10 seats in Quebec. We haven't got 10 seats in Quebec. So no, we don't. That has to happen anyways. Right. So if if um, O'Toole can do that, uh, great. Um, if if the conservatives in other parts of the country decide that in fact he can't bring it uh, around, I think then um, there will be a, re- a review. I, I don't know if the, I think, I think generally people are satisfied without being overwhelmed with, uh, you know, uh, what he has done. He, he was very solid. He's a very solid candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the same time, I think obviously he didn't bring it home. So, again, I think there are people actually in the wings who could. And I think that is something that people will need to think about. I'm not sure that they want to run as leaders, but I know that there are people who could bring it home. You're thinking about Pierre. I am. I know you are. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not going to be Jason Kenny. No, it's not going to be Jason Kenny. We (laughs) are going to take our break and we will be back on the other side to discuss the local results. And we are back for the second half of Windsor's Inside Pulse, recording the day after the election, September 21st, 2021. So we're going to turn to the local races now. Now, CBC has called all three local races for the incumbents. CTV, as of our recording time, has actually not called Windsor Tecumseh. The incumbent, Eric Kuzmerichek, is up 501 votes there. So just to do a quick recap in Essex, Chris Lewis uh, defeated uh, Tracy Ramsey, who was the closest challenger with 41% of the vote to 32% of the vote. In uh, Audrey Festeriga had 15% for the Liberals and Beth Sharon Robery for the PPC had 10%. Um, uh, so so those, that was the competition out in Essex. In Windsor West, Brian Massey defeated Sandra Cupatello again, 44% to 28%. Anthony Orlando with uh, 19% and Matt Giancolo for the PPC with 9%. Windsor Tecumseh, which was the closest race and the race of the night locally, Eric Kuzmerichek appears to have staved off Cheryl Hardcastle, winning about 32% of the vote to 31% of the vote for Cheryl Hardcastle. Notably, Kathy Borelli held on with 26% of the vote there, so quite close. I know I was uh, scrutineering the advance polls and I was surprised. I think uh, my recollection is 
Kathy Borelli in the advanced polls had almost as many votes as uh, Cheryl Hardcastle. They both had about 5,000 advanced votes. I think Cheryl won the advanced polls by maybe about 100, 150 votes. And then Victor Green with 11% there. So we're going to talk about each of these races. We'll, we'll save Windsor Tecumseh, the most exciting one for the end. But let's talk about Essex. I'm going to lead off with this one. I was wrong. I'll admit it. You won't hear that from me too often. But I thought Tracy Ramsey was going to win or at least get much closer. Chris Lewis seems to have survived handily. Uh, Al, your thoughts on this race? I can tell you Chris Lewis is a door knocker and a very hardworking person. He's not a big fan of kowtowing to the media, especially when he feels or knows that they're against him or setting him up or, you know, ulterior motives. So he'd be like, okay, this is my announcement. Did, 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 let's go knock on doors. My votes is at the doors. He's a straight shooter. Uh, he works hard for the region. I think that announcement that he made with regards to ensuring uh, funding if the conservatives got in for flooding was important. People love him out there. Great guy. Um, you see the PPC had 10%, but it didn't matter. Chris Lewis won handily 41 over 32. So uh, Chris Lewis, real deal. Very proud of him. Good job. Hard worker in Essex. Christine, your thoughts on Essex? Yes. Well, nothing to not to take anything away from Chris Lewis, because I think he is a very good candidate and he is certainly very well liked. I think the, the whole community is rather um, conservative and uh, they may even in uh, terms of uh, ideology even have things in common with the PPC, but I think they realized they wanted an, uh, somebody to represent them and they went for uh, Chris Lewis, whom they, they've trusted and, uh, and uh, they certainly went out and voted. One thing that I thought in all the writings in our area, I think we will see that more people voted and came out to vote this election than in 2019. Interestingly enough, if you looked at the advanced polls, the, the advanced polls for Windsor, Tecumseh and for Essex were really, really a lot higher than in 2019. It, and this was, was, was really interesting. There were many fewer people in Wits, Windsor West who actually went to the advanced polls. And that will be interesting to see why that was the case, because ultimately um, Windsor West voted the same way they did in 2019 and they voted for Brian Massey. Yeah, Windsor, Windsor West actually had a very high, uh, my, my understanding, and I haven't seen exact numbers yet, Windsor West actually had a very high uh, vote by mail, which uh, so, for people who are deciding, I don't want to vote on September 20th, obviously you can only vote once either advance or by mail. So I'm curious to see if that balances out. That, that's something to check up in on in the coming week or two. So turning to Windsor West in the uh, rematch of the heavyweights or the unstoppable force versus the immovable object, the immovable object, Brian Massey has won once again. He won really going away with it this time, about 44% of the vote to 28% of the vote for Sandra Pupatello. Uh, we still have to get the uh, the advanced, uh, the mail-in vote in, so maybe Sandra will pick up some votes there. But really, a, a quite a handle, handily, uh, Brian won handily there. So uh, let's go, Christine, first with you on this one. Your thoughts on Windsor West? Yes, well, I'm a little bit surprised at the at the numbers, but it just shows um, the extent to which Brian Massey is loved, and uh, with the the also the um, 
just the loyalty of the NDP uh, voters to their representative. They voted this way for 17 years and they weren't going to change this year. And uh, they came out in my, on, in mass, en masse, <laughs> and uh, they voted for Massey. And, uh, and uh, I like what you did there, Christine. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but Very I have clever. to say that uh, I, uh, I really have to say kudos also to Anthony Orlando, who really did uh, brilliantly and um, has uh, maintained at the 19% uh, votes uh, of the Conservative Party in an area, apparently, that uh, uh, votes by habit, uh, and uh, despite uh, despite this, uh, the fact that again, uh, you know, are we going to ever have uh, uh, someone in the in the, the you know among the Liberals? Well, the Liberals, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad. Uh, definitely, we don't have uh, Sandra, but that is my opinion there. Yeah, I think I mean it's notable there, uh, as I was saying earlier today to somebody that we have had uh, in two two in. Uh, in 60 years in Windsor West, we have had two uh, MPs. So it certainly mm -hmm. seems that if Sandra in two elections could not beat Brian, that Brian can go until he wants to retire. And if that's another uh, 20 years to catch Herb Gray, he'll probably be there. And then we'll have two MPs in 80 years. So, uh, so that seems to be the story in Windsor West. Al, your thoughts on Windsor West? So Brian Massey used to hit 50 plus. So he's at 44. I think he's gonna retire next election i can't imagine him keep doing it i mean he knows he knows that you know how much can he keep spinning and talking and you know i mean you got a minority government will you actually leverage your vote for something for windsor he's got one last shot hopefully he does hopefully he pushes his party to do something like that i mean the best position the ndp could be in for to be influential is in a minority government because they're not going to form government um, where the liberals need their votes. So if there's fundings or programs or something that helps Windsor, Brian, you won. Congratulations. Leverage your vote, leverage your leader, and have something result for, for Windsor. Uh, and then we'll talk about Eric, who's actually in government and afterwards. But Sandra Pupatello, I got to give her a lot of kudos. It was, you know, she could have run in Windsor to come see last election. And, you know, she would have had first dibs on it. They would have rolled out the red carpet. And she said, no, I'm from Windsor West. I'm going to run there. I'm going to challenge Brian. Huge, huge challenge. And she came within 2,000 votes. So it looked like, you know, if she started earlier, she'd have the momentum to do it. I'm a little bit surprised at this result that it wasn't closer. Uh, but I was reading all the comments. And, you know, Sandra was saying people like, hey, Sandra, we like you, but we don't like your leader. Uh, which was intuitive of Windsor, <laughs> Windsor West, because Trudeau's, you know, not the strongest leader in the big realm of things. At, at the end of the day, um, Massey needs to retire. It'll be an open seat. We'll see if Sandra jumps in. Anthony Orlando already said that he's interested in running again. If you look at the PPC, they got 9%. How many of those voters were former conservative voters? I know I got a lot of emails from a lot of people saying that they're voting PPC, former conservative voters. They are out there. They are out there. It's not going to be a pandemic election next time. I hope not, unless there's some new triple variant, who knows. Um, and, you know, the, Anthony did a great job for, for uh, a first time uh, running. I thought his speeches, his debates were excellent. We had him on the show last week. Uh, Dave and I interviewed him. So we interviewed Brian Massey, Sandra, and Anthony. And uh, very well-spoken, smart guy. 
I don't know much about uh, Matthew, but he's carrying the PPC label, which again, hopefully the conservatives go into, uh, uh, go back to the big blue tent list, so to speak. Okay, so, Windsor to Tecumseh. So then the final and most exciting race, and as I noted, CBC has called it, CTV has not. Eric Kuzmerichek, the liberal incumbent, defeating or presumably defeating Cheryl Hardcastle, 32% to 31%, the count not including the mail-in ballots, Eric Kuzmerichek up by 501 votes. Kathy Borelli at 26% and Victor Green at 11%. So uh, so I'll give my thoughts at the end here, but Al, uh, your thoughts on this race first. I think Kathy Borelli is an absolute rock star. She came in with three weeks, three weeks. Everyone else had four. By the time they registered, by the time they put it together, she was on the ground in three weeks and put together a pretty well full-fledged campaign, spent a fraction of the money that everyone else spent, was extremely relevant, did great at the debates, knew the issues, just a natural. What a solid miracle find for Windsor Tecumseh. I'm so happy they found Kathy and she agreed to step forward and everything worked out at the last minute. I, I tell you, Kathy Borelli, She's got the spot next time she wants it uh, for Windsor Tecumseh, I believe. Um, but again, look at look at the PPC, Victor Green, 11%. How many of those are conservative supporters? Even if you were to take 60%, add six, 26 plus six is 32. Right there, Eric Kuzmerzik, 32. So it's it's right in there. It's a three-way race from Windsor Tecumseh. Uh, hopefully the PPC go down with their <laughs> original 2%. We'll see what happens. Christine, oh, and as far as Eric, yeah, oh, Tecumseh, hold on. As far as Eric, um, you know, he was behind a lot of way through in the last uh, poll counts, um, and then he surpassed Cheryl. And I think the mail-in ballots, Eric will go even further ahead. So I think it'll be Eric. And thank goodness, if we had to choose between Eric and Cheryl in a minority government, I would prefer Eric because he has a seat at the governing table, and Eric's a nice guy. Yeah, and just to give some just to give some inside knowledge on why, you know, the polling or the, the polls as they were coming in showed Cheryl leading most of the night and then Eric caught up at the end. Eric did very well in the advanced polls. So Eric beat Cheryl by about 1800 votes in the advanced polls, which means that on E-Day, Cheryl actually got about 1300 votes more than than Eric. But I think that you're right, Al. I think that both because mail-in is part of advanced vote and so should be similar, but also because, and I think that this will really apply nationally as we count these mail-in votes. I think the liberals are gonna do very well with the mail-in vote. A lot of their, you know, a lot of people that are gonna do mail-in vote are seniors. That's really, that's prime territory for the liberals. Um, so I, I think Eric is going to stretch this lead. I think that there's about 1200 votes to count. I think he will stretch this lead, but it ain't, I don't think it'll be over a thousand. So it's, it, it'll be very close. Christine? Well, I think that was the exciting race in our in our area for sure. I'm uh, hopeful though that uh, Eric Kuzmierzyk gets the uh, seat. I hope he does. Um, I think he's been a solid uh, representative for the area. And, um, and then uh, I also think, like, uh, as Al said, uh, Kathy Borelli was really amazing for a three-week uh, race. She did extremely well. 26% of the vote is really very good in, uh, and probably unprecedented, unprecedented in, in recent years in the area. 
um, normally getting around 20%. Um, well, uh, Denise didn't Gannon got 37%? 30, 32. Denise got 32 versus Joe Comartin when liberals collapsed with Ignatiev. Well, and didn't didn't Leo get about 27% last Yeah, Leo did, Leo did Leo very did well. as well. So this but is it, very but good. Kathy's more successful if you measure that the green, that the Victor That's Green. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Right, so... Yeah, right. really. It, 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 I mean, Victor Green uh, of the PPC took 11% of the vote, which is really very sizable proportion. And um, really, I mean, if you add all of those uh, votes to Kathy Borelli, then, but of course, even just 5%, uh, half, half, the, half the votes, if they are conservative votes or would have been conservative votes, then in fact, uh, that brings her right up with. Uh, in contention for the position. Little technical thing, just so you know, we know our stuff and Christine knows this as well, is that when a candidate in a federal election receives 10% 10 of the vote or more, uh, they actually are entitled to a rebate of 60% for their uh, for their expenditures, which they could use for next election and use to help pay things off. So- Unless that, the party scoops it from them. Uh, they usually scoop half up to half, but Essex, Essex, uh, got 10% with Beth and Windsor to come to got 11% with Victor close to Windsor West with Matthew at nine. But those are important thresholds. If you cross 10%, I, I think actually, I think Al, that's a really good point. Uh, you know, and that's going to be a, a good point for the PPC everywhere. They are going to be much better funded last election because right. they didn't, they didn't win 10% anywhere last time around. And so now you have a lot of these ridings where they're going to, where they're going to get 60% of their expenses back to spend again. Next but year. how much, how much do you think Beth spent? I mean, we're not talking a lot. I mean, maybe Beth spent maybe 10 grand on her. Like, like it's peanuts in the big realm of things. It's not enough to win a whole movement. And I think a lot of their movement this time was because uh, anti passports, uh, process, freedom, things like that. If hopefully in the next election, society gets back to normal, those arguments will be moot. And the main argument will be, let's get rid of Trudeau. The only way to do that is to vote Aaron O'Toole, big blue tent votes. Yeah. So it, sorry, it may be that threshold of 10% that is uh, causing uh, Maxime Bernier to be so uh, optimistic for the future. And uh, he seems to be really um, wanting to continue in this vein. So hopefully we see, um, well, those, re those rebates across the uh, country can sure fund uh, Maxime Bernier's uh, salary as party leader for the next two or three years. Um, so, uh, so, so coming to my thoughts on Windsor to come see, this was certainly the race that I was most interested in full disclosure. I did volunteer a little bit for Eric Kuzmerichek. Um, you know, I, uh, I thought that Eric, I think, is a star, and I thought that this was going to be incredibly close. It was incredibly close. I actually had a gut feeling that Cheryl may pull this out, but um, or at least a gut feeling about 10 days ago that she was going to uh, pull it out. But I'm happy to see that Eric seems to have won. I think that we as a community are very lucky to have him there. I, I think that he is in incredibly smart and a strong voice for the region. I do agree, though, with what you guys are saying. I, I mean, I wasn't certainly involved in the Kathy Borelli campaign, but my understanding is that, I mean, they were off to such a late start. They did do a pretty good job getting signs up, but I can't imagine that it was as well resourced, um, certainly not in terms of money, but in terms of volunteers as the other campaigns. And so pulling 26%, which is basically what 
Leo polled uh, two years ago, and I thought Leo had a great campaign and a long campaign two years ago, I think is very impressive. It, it's certainly interesting, you know, coming back to, well, I don't think the add the two numbers together, seeing that there is, you know, 37% of the vote that is sort of center right in Windsor Tecumseh certainly tells me that for the right person, that could be in play. I certainly apply that to when we're seeing the uh, provincial election coming up in eight months. I think that's probably a good sign for somebody like Andrew Dowie, who if he can pick up both of those blocks of votes, he's going to be very competitive there. So that I think is notable in Windsor to come see, even though it's certainly not the headline buried below the lead. That's a significant portion of right-leaning voters. And I don't, I don't so, think there's been a conservative there in 90 years. No, but you actually mentioned something. And because Windsor's inside pulse kind of gives you the little head of the curve, a lot of people don't even know this, but there is actually similar to the PPC, there is a provincial party called the New Blue Party led by Jim Carajalios. And again, same situation. He ran for, in this case, for president leadership, turmoil, controversy, out. His wife was... Uh, uh, are, they, are they called True Blue? Is it True Blue or New Blue? New Blue. New Blue. New, new, new Blue. And, uh, you know, if he starts fielding candidates in Ontario, maybe the him and the PPC, who knows? I'm, I'm worried about the right flank. Honestly, I'm worried about the right flank. Normally, be like, ah, it's okay. We got the... Where else are they going to vote? Okay, now, that, now there's a party to do that. It, this better not be like 2003 where we got to unite the right. Otherwise, uh, you're going to have 13 years of the liberals with Jean Cressian and Paul Martin. Like it's this is just nonsense. We have to be under one correct big blue tent. And, um, you know, if you look at the numbers, you see how it's split. Kathy and Victor, you know, there's 37 percent out there. Hopefully, Andrew Dowie, this new blue doesn't take off. Andrew wins decisively, and I'm expecting that for uh, for Windsor to come see, and they'll be lucky to have Andrew as their MPP for sure. Well, I guess if you're, a, can you run a guy whose last name is Green under the new blue banner? That seems kind of weird. Very uh, clever. Okay. But um, all, all right. Well, we have done nearly a full hour on the election. We had a bunch of local topics to cover, but we will save that for another time. But before we sign off, any final thoughts on? on this election, local, national, any final thoughts from you guys before we close it out? Uh, Christine, let's start with you. Well, I'm excited nonetheless, because I think in fact- um, Your dog's excited too. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, uh, my dogs are, are barking, but um, I'm thinking that I know it's, uh, it's uh, we have someone from the Conservative Party, we've elected someone in our area from the NDP party, and it looks like Eric Kuzmierzyk, a liberal, has also been elected. So again, I think we have, um, you know, so, someone from every party, and hopefully our voice gets heard in Ottawa. That's the main thing, and I think, um, I think that that will happen, nonetheless, regardless. Al, Even though thoughts. it's not the best of all worlds, I think we will be heard. Al, final thoughts? Yeah, my final thought is this. I, I just think that Windsor's Inside Pulse, are, uh, you know, Daniel, Christine, Dave Sundin, myself, there, there's not a better group anywhere in Windsor, Essex, that knows our stuff inside and out with insight, with detail, with statistical analysis, with actually personal relationships, or being able to interview. I, I think we are just the the top level of analysis and insight when it comes to it. And uh, anybody listening to our show, you are listening to the best panel there is by far 
on, on knowing stuff that other people don't know. And I'm okay with other journalists listening to our show and using it. And I'm happy even Daniel gets quoted for Man Jarvis because we, we've been following this. Not too many it's people and CTV dig quoted into me this. too last night. So look, all, I mean? all I'm going to say to close this out is CBC, where the heck are you? Okay. <laughs> on, on that note, this has been a fun recap of the federal election, talking both about the national picture and the uh, and, and the local picture for who is going to be in government for the next well, who knows, a year, two, three years, four years. I guess that's part of a uh, part of the result of last night with a uh, a status quo um, a status quo liberal minority government. So, with that said. Thank you for joining us once again on Windsor's Inside Pulse. Please remember to like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay safe, everyone, and have a great week.